You're listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast with me, Nathan Johnson, and my co-hosts, Carl Kaczynski and Rami Bassi. We hope you enjoy the show. So something that kind of... 2.15. Cheers, Rami. Sorry, I'm like, forget about the time difference. We, we can start the proper recording in a second. Ignore okay. all of this. Are we, are we starting now? Are we happy? I mean, every every time we have we have kind of a, a bit at the start where we just talk in random. So I watched, I listened to five, and Cal was like, "Ah, oh, should we do an intro?" Yeah, five, four, three, two, one. I was like, "That's hilarious," and I left that in. Yeah, anyway, seriously, we'll yeah, and this is the reason why I hate listening to our podcast again because I, our, you know, jokes are always on me. Because Remy was like, oh, yeah, put that at the start, put that at the start. And I was like, okay. <laughs> Actually, you know, I, I, I yeah. I um, so we'll start now and we'll, we'll cut the rest. But after a conversation that I had with the two of you when um, Carl was doing his presentation and we were talking about accessibility and I mentioned, oh, wouldn't it be good to talk about kind of inclusivity? Um, and then you mentioned kind of, the benefits of talking about accessibility and the fact that it, it kind of spans expands inclusivity as well. Um, I did I, I did a bit of reading on kind of the differences between inclusive design and accessible design, um, and I, I thought it was I thought it was quite interesting because I've been spending I mean been spending a lot of time kind of doing the rounds, doing lots of um, workshops, presentations around um, accessible um, web design within within teaching and learning. Um, and kind of wanted to look more inclusivity as well, because I, I polled, I polled a lot of staff and just said, um, do you know your students? Do you know, do you know your cohort? And, and I think it was 70% of people said no. At which point I was like, okay, but how how do you create inclusive material if you don't know who your students are? Um, and I kind of wanted to look more at inclusivity rather than accessibility. But you kind of, I don't know, you, you swayed me into, and I know they're two different things, aren't they? Yeah, but you pay me more to look at. I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, just to throw another term in, uh, like universal design. Um, but universal I, design would fall under, well, not fall under, but would be inclusive, inclusive design, because it, creating inclusive design means that you're creating it universal for everyone. So, you're using universal principles. Yeah, in a sense, but I, I guess what I'm saying there is, um, okay, so if you're saying accessibility, you might be talking about, you know, like literally how easy is it to access this resource? Um, like, are there bandwidth complications? Um, uh, are people going to be able to watch it in their geolocation? Like, you know, we know that, for example, YouTube doesn't work everywhere around the world. Um, so I think universal design includes inclusivity, but it also includes accessibility. And now it's impossible to create something which is completely universal, uh, but it's kind of aspiring to that kind of dream of, of being as universally acceptable as possible. 
I think just kind of the clarity of the conversation and uh, moving forward with the conversation, it might be a really useful exercise for us to uh, differentiate between the terms and how do we understand the terms accessibility and inclusivity? What are the key differences? You're muted. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, I, I know. Um, so, and that's it. And I think you, you, you're right, Remy. Accessibility is kind of how something works, and and some something that you change. So, some of the wraps that you get, it's very much okay. Um, I have a blind student or someone with visual difficulties. Therefore, we need to make sure that uh, screen readers pass canvas or the the vle and also that we have alternative versions of a lot of these materials very much accessibility um but then those same i guess those same things fall under inclusivity and and i guess my my understanding was well if i look at if I just focus on inclusivity, then I'm, I'm covering accessibility as well, in a sense, but I, I guess I'm not, I'm not covering everything that needs to be covered. So I've seen, I've seen what you've described as a definition, but then I've seen other ones. So um, where inclusivity would be getting a picture of your student group and making sure that you've kind of created resources that tailor to all of those different needs. Whereas universal design might be, regardless of whichever group you get, you're already pre-planning your course in a way that would cater to as many different. So if, if you found out that you had a student who had English as a second language or had a hearing impairment, you would make sure that you had um, subtitles on the course. I mean, you have to anyway now, but, um, Whereas universal design would mean regardless of whether you had a student who had English as a second language. Um, so there's that kind of small distinction between the two of like, you just do it anyway with universal design, mm -hmm. whereas inclusivity, I think is trying to create it so that you've included your specific group. Um, I'm not saying one definition's right or wrong. I'm just saying I've seen different definitions. Mm. So, sorry, so I'm just trying to get this kind of in my head after reading lots of different things. So universal, I, I, I'd use the universal design principles to create the course. And then I would use the inclusivity around my specific cohort to tailor content. Um, you could do, uh, I mean, that would be, I guess that would be more of a reasonable adjustment then. So what you'd be trying to do is create it universally in the first place. And then if required, you would have to make a reasonable adjustment. The aim of the new kind of regular, sorry, Carol. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit confused with what you mean by adjusting content. Um, by... Tone, pitch, level, understanding, that that kind of stuff. Okay. So, so, so you, you might, had... yeah. So, if you had, uh, so for example, you're you're creating using um, kind of universal design principles, brilliant. But then you'd have to look at your cohort, and whether it's whether it's a, a, an in-depth look or okay, I've got an undergraduate cohort, therefore 
some of this material will have to be tailored to them. I've got a postgraduate cohort, the material will have to be tailored to them. I feel like that doesn't that doesn't happen enough. Or maybe I've got students that are working full time. So potentially we'll need more more information than yeah. I was going to put on, on Canvas. Yeah, I, I mean <laughs> I think we are talking about something that is very, very abstract at the moment. So let's, shall we try to think about the example, like let's let's think about like course that we might design for level four students and how would we do that? How would we go about design level four module for, you know, for, for undergrads coming to the university for the first year? And we might need to think about the, you know, students coming from the different countries and whose uh, English is not the first language um so what, what would you do or what would we do to ensure that the course is accessible but i guess and that's the point but the, the point is universal design isn't abstract it's very much okay you you need to be designing it for everyone wherever that is um i, I put a graph in um mm. an image of a graph but i haven't explained what that is within yeah. the content and I haven't provided alt text. Yeah. So kind of those those kinds of things um, aren't abstract. There's a there's a list. There's been a list for, for many years of, of how to design for the web. Um, mm -hmm. this isn't this isn't a new thing. This is this is new to education because we've never had to adhere to a set of guidelines yeah. before. I guess the abstract part is kind of how do I well who is my student cohort then yeah. how do I design for said student cohort um, depending on the different level I guess that's that's more specific to a certain course and again accessibility transcends kind of any any talks about kind of always oh, this right or wrong it's very much a set of a set of rules a set of guidelines in terms of well this this makes it accessible therefore do we have to have that conversation so nathan yeah. you kind of touched on it I, i'm not sure if it was on or off recording but where you said about asking the question about what people's groups look like what what their cohort of learners look like um and i guess somebody who works directly with the students can focus on inclusive design but us as learning designers maybe you should focus on the universal design where it's we don't know who the group are so we're trying to cater to as wide an audience as possible because we're, we're not going to get that information if they don't have it the, the responsibility is on the people who know the student group to make it inclusive our responsibility would be to make it universal d does that maybe help the distinction where we don't know who the group are essentially and so it's just to as wide an audience as possible True, we don't know who the group are, but at the same time, we can use the principles uh, or theoretical frameworks to shape the content into the, um, you know, shape the content to align to the specific uh, group needs. So, for example, if we are talking about the example, the reason why I move it to the specific example rather than talking about abstracts, because I'm aware that some of, you know, we are learning designers, we are living and breathing, we are doing this on the on a daily basis and we have designed you know many courses but for some people who might be listening to our podcast that they don't necessarily um make you know we not not necessarily can make sense of what we are talking about and when we're talking about inclusivity and accessibility and inclusive design 
and universal design and all of that without putting into the specific context, it might be very abstract um, phenomena or you know very abstract thing to um, to uh, to be hooked. So um, talking back, you know, uh, yes, you know, is how much information do you really need to create the inclusive and accessible information? Because for example, if you have the students that you're you know, they are coming for the first year to the university. You might be aware that they are coming um, from various backgrounds. They, you know, that they, they will be coming from different parts of the world. You might know that, you know, that for some of them, the English is not going to be first language, it's going to be second language. You might know that the proficiency of the language is, you know, it varies. Um, so, what would you do then to ensure that your course or your program is accessible and but I guess what what uh, Remy's saying is you don't you don't well you don't necessarily have that information therefore that's not that's not our job that's the job of the content creator that's the job of the the academic to take all of that data and kind of create that side I guess our side is kind of creating it in a way and like like we do creating in a way that is accessible um, to everyone. Um, irrelevant of where they are in the world or kind of what disabilities they have or what commitments they have. So Carol, you've given an example where you can make some reasonable assumptions, but say for example, you had that same cohort uh, as always, but then you ended up with a student uh, with a form of autism where, I don't know, clapping in class was disruptive to them. You might make a change in that class and how you deliver it to avoid kind of loud noises. If you had a student who had a hearing impairment, you might make an adjustment where you had an interpreter, BSL interpreter in the classroom, or a universal design thing might be to adjust your slides where um, you kind of had relevant text on the screen. So you weren't just showing images and talking about it, but relevant text appeared on the screen. So there's different ways of approaching the same thing. One would be universal designs, one might be a reasonable adjustment and accessibility thing, but it's those kind of I guess it's those things that you wouldn't expect. So everything you describe would be reasonable assumptions you could make beforehand. And I'm saying there'd be additional things that come in that you won't necessarily know about. Yeah, absolutely. And this is the, this is the thing, the, you know, I 100% agree with you guys. But um, I think it is really important to talk about this. So uh, I think the part of the, you know, the, the main reason why we are doing this podcast is kind of the continued uh, self-development and enhancing our knowledge and skills in the fields of learning design and, and learning technologies. But you know, for some people who might be listening to us, I think talking about this is really important and having those practical examples that yeah, you know, you don't know how people construe their reality, and for for you, what you are making, what makes sense for you, it might not necessarily make sense for 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 someone else. So I still talk some sometimes to the academics, and I still you know sometimes talk to people, and um, you know people are using color codes, you know colors to convey meaning, and it's you know it's. Is it a good approach? Is it? But that's not that's that's not just academics either. Um, there, there, there are many people that do that. But I guess I guess if 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 you say okay, um, say if I was to say to you, what what does accessibility mean? What does web accessibility mean, Carol? Well, I 
to me, the, the definition between impulsivity and accessibility actually can be blended because no, 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 not both of them. What just just one, just what accessibility? Maximizing access to the educational resources by a broadest range of people. That's kind of my definition. Like I, I all of the resources that I'm producing, I'm trying to think about all of those scenarios that we are thinking about to make the reasonable adjustments even before I get to know the cohorts um, of students to make sure that pretty much everyone who might be able to access the course or benefits from that course will be able to access it. So making sure that all the captions are done, all the transcripts are done, colors don't convey the meaning, you know, that there are appropriate headers in the tables and all of those, those things. So that's, that's accessibility to me, just making sure that my, the resources that I'm working on, designing and developing are accessed or accessible by the vast majority of people. And at the same time, they are clear and transparent. So it's not only about the technical, you know, the technicality and technical aspects of using the learning management system or accessing the uh, streaming platforms, but at the same time, it's making sure that I set the expectation for student clearly. So if someone is coming to the, you know, to the um, module, they exactly know, they, it is not hand-holding, it's just kind of guiding people like, you are expected to do this. And the reason why you're expected to do this is because it's gonna benefit to, you know, gonna help you meet your learning objectives and it's gonna benefit your assignment. But and then, by, uh, yeah. But then is that, is, are we still talking about accessibility there? Or have we moved, moved on? Because I guess my, my understanding of accessibility would very much be technical. Would very okay. much be, okay. Um, this this video needs a transcript, or it needs some type. This 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 table needs a caption. These titles need to be headings. They need to be nested properly. It's very much there's a, there's a formula. It's very much okay. This is yeah. what has to be done. There's no conversations about it. I'm not having a conversation. Say okay, this will this will kind of benefit this if I do X or Y. It'll benefit kind of the the learning of a user. It's I guess maybe at a fundamental level, it's actually this is how a website is passed. This is how yeah. it makes it accessible to users outside of a learning environment, which is very much in general. This is what accessibility is. Um, so, so if for someone, I guess for someone that's worked in web, um, yeah, very much I mean, look, look at accessibility technically from a kind of okay, A B C has to happen for yeah. to access my material. You know, and I I, I believe that um, we both write, and I think you know there is a lot of um, <laughs> fear nodding. Um, so, I, I I believe this is. We both right, and I am pretty sure I, I'm, I'm gonna. We haven't really asked Rumi to express his opinion about the accessibility and provide his definition of this. But I would be um, certain that Rumi Rumi's um, definition of accessibility is equally right and equally. No, let's ask him. <laughs> let's yeah, ask. Let's, I mean, a bit absolutely. I mean, I mean, I maybe I disagree with you and say that you are wrong. <laughs> and that you're mixing, you're, you're putting them all together. Um, so you're putting inclusivity and accessibility together in, in one, rather than looking at it 
kind of okay this is what this means this is what that means and actually they're they're separate but they they work together and, and sorry I'll Remy you can answer um, so I'm fully aware that my view of accessibility is clouded because my interest lies in disabilities and helping students with either physical or learning difficulties. Um, so I always tend to frame the accessibility in, like without re well at risk of recording the phrase making the content uh, accessible or letting the students have access to the content in one way or another. And quite often that in accessibility, my view of accessibility is that means making a reasonable adjustment in some way or another. Um, so providing an alternate resource um, would be one way of providing accessibility. Now I'm aware there's other forms of accessibility, which we've spoken about, like we were talking about earlier, which is around like, if someone's got low bandwidth, are you providing this video in a different format so they can access it? Um, if somebody has English as a different language, as a second language or a further language, are you are you writing the content in a way that's understandable? Are you um, making sure, like the, the geolocation thing, are you making sure the resources are universally um, accessible? Um, so there's that side of things, which I don't focus on much, but that is part of accessibility as well. And that's also yeah. sometimes how people describe it. There's another form of accessibility as well when we talk about uh, I think we might have spoken about it in a previous podcast around the digital divide. And we sort of assumed that regardless of the content or like people's uh, actual technology, like how are they in interacting with that technology? Um, and then there's that kind of middle bit of like, yeah, the content's fine and their access to the technology is fine, but do they know how to use it properly? Because they, they may not have had those skills and there's an accessibility issue there as well. Um, so yeah, so accessibility, I think is quite broad. I have quite a narrow view of it because I've only really ever focused on, on one area, I guess. Um, let's yeah. let throw another phrase in, usability. Well, accessibility, well, and this is the thing, this is what I was going to say. And I'm really excited about all of the things that you've said because all of this you've said is spot on and is brilliant. And um, I think that my, my point it's about actually collaboration and work together. So for example, as we, as we have seen just now, my definition of accessibility, Rumi's definition of accessibility and Nathan's uh, um, definition of accessibility is slightly different. And we look at the accessibility through slightly different lens. So my is, you know, if I was going to describe my accessibility focuses on experience. Rumi's accessibility definition is focused more on student disability and, you know, the helping with any kind of um, either uh, physical or psychological barriers and overcoming those limitations. Nathan's for definition of accessibility is all about making sure that technology is used to remove those barriers. And we sit here, we discuss this, and actually people that we using that knowledge and talking about this, discussing and debating moves our knowledge forward. And because of that, because adopting those three different lenses, we are actually able to produce better courses and even working, you know, working in collaboration, working with, you know, such a great learning designers as Rumi and Nathan, this really enables me to put together great courses. But, you know, let's say that I will be working, Rumi will be working on something on his own in, you know, in, in the future, 
then you might record this conversation and you think, okay, my understanding of accessibility is only looking for the, you know, um, accessibility is only looking for the lens of disability, but Carol's point of view is on user experience and Nathan is hugely on technology. What do I remember about that? And how can I move that student experience and uh, move that accessibility forward to make sure that that course is as best as it can be? And I, I think that's the whole core of the accessibility and the, the core what we are talking about is just producing the best content that is accessed by the widest, you know, the, 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 the greatest number of people it can be accessed by. Thank you for the monologue. <laughs> Sorry, Ogan, I'm going <laughs> to mute myself now. <laughs> no, don't mute yourself, it's fine. I, I, mean, I agree. And I mean, yeah, there is, there are lots of different interpretations and everyone has their own views. I guess my, my thinking was, well, actually, you can have whatever views you want, but when it boils down to the basics, this is, this is what you need to do. This is what, these are the things that you should be doing. Otherwise, um, you can have all of these, these conversations with people, but you won't have the basics. And I think some of the, some of the fundamentals, some of the basics are often skipped over for, for more of the, oh, I'll, I'll do this because, I'll do this because it works for this student, or I'll do that. And actually, I do this because it's the right thing to do. I do this because it, it makes that content kind of accessible. Yeah, what's interesting though, I mean, Nathan, what you're talking about, I guess, is the kind of, you're focusing on the minimum requirements for accessibility. And I saw a paper recently, uh, which uh, if I can find it, I'll dig it out and send it to you guys. But it was talking about WCAG AA guidelines. And it might have been by JISC, but uh, basically saying that for the majority of people with impairments, it doesn't go far enough. So just meeting the minimum requirements or just, just focusing on the technical and, and kind of, I, I think we need to speak to, to learners and educators who are dealing with this firsthand and engage with the research constantly uh, to continuously improve. And the technology goes a long way towards doing that. I know there are some fantastic extensions and software and things you can get that help the learner at their end. Um, I mean, I'm of the personal opinion that we need the legislation as a minimum benchmark because that's really important. But also we need to empower educators in how to develop their tools in, in a more universal way. But also we need to empower learners uh, when, when their materials fall short, how can they access their materials in a different way as well? So, you know, what are the, so JAWS is a common example or um, Dragon Naturally Speaking is, is something for students who have trouble. Um, you know, what are the kind of, how do we get the message out there to the learners that even if your materials aren't good enough, there are other things you can do. I think web browsers are catching up massively and really quickly. Uh, my phone's accessibility has improved massively, like with software updates. Um, so there, there are other things as well beyond just getting the technology right, I guess. Thank you. No, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, and I mean, personally, it makes me it makes me think more, think more about it, and that's why I quite like talking to the both of you, because um, although you're not always right, and, and whatever Carol says is a lie, and and yeah, 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 every, everything that everyone said is brilliant. It's all great. It's not not always true. Um, but the, some of the stuff that I take away. And, so and great, great statement, Nathan. Absolutely, one hundred percent agree with that.
<laughs> well, he, was that Carol? <laughs> um, and I mean, I mean, you're right, Remy. And we've all got we've all got space to learn. We've all got space to grow. Um, and I think even even me. Um, I mean, and coming from a very technical background, is is all learning, is all understanding. Maybe there's more than there's more than just the minimum requirements. There's more than just these things. Um, and, and talking to you, I mean that yeah, you've got kind of an interest in disabilities. You probably spend more time kind of looking at how how these kind of transfer into the real world and, and what is missing from some of these. So I think that that's also really interesting. Um, but before. I mean, probably probably a nice time to wrap up. Um, but before we wrap up, I just wanted to throw another um, another word in the mix, and maybe something that we can talk about at some other point. But we've got all these words banded around, and kind of they all fit together. But UX and user experience, um, then the fact that yeah, that that that's going to be a part of it, or. or what part of it what part of education does ux play because i guess it, it plays a massive part in kind of uh, marketing um in terms of trying to sell products but at what point at what how much do we focus on student experience versus usability versus accessibility versus all of these different things <clears throat> And maybe should we be spending more time on that side? Um, but I'll, I'll leave that question, and then we can come to that in a, in another in another conversation. But this has been this has actually been really interesting. Thank you very much, um, Romy and Cal. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed that. Thank you. You've been listening to the Beyond Digital Education podcast. If you liked what you've heard, please do listen to more of our podcasts and please do engage with us on the topics we've raised.